0: Good morning. Good morning! Now it sounds like you're happy about being here. It really is a joy to be here. I didn't introduce myself earlier. I'm Pastor Robert. I'm married to Leslie Ann, right down there, um, who we are here today. And we always look forward to coming to <clears> the <throat> cabin. Um, James ran into him a couple of times at um, some other staff meetings and asked me if I'm ready. And I go, no, I'm not ready? <laughs> are you ready? But really, in all honesty, I I can't wait to get the invitation to come to Cabin. It's always fun. It's always enjoyable. We always feel like we're at home when we're here. And so we just thank you um, for the privilege to serve you guys this morning. So, all right, let's pray. (laughs) Dear Heavenly Father, you are the great and mighty God, and we just pray that you would be glorified through this time. We pray for your Holy Spirit to fall on us, that it would... Um, challenge us to grow. It would challenge us with the things that are going on in our lives, Lord. I pray that you would speak to the weary this morning, Lord. Father, I pray that those who just might be struggling today and just might be at the end of their rope, that you would convince them today to hold on a little tighter. Father, I just pray that your hand of favor would fall on your people, that we would realize that we're in the best hands and we are in the best walk that we could possibly be in, and that's walking with you. We love you, we give you praise, and we ask that you be glorified through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, I debated and prayed and asked um, about what to share this morning, as I talked about in the first service, and I always bounce things off of Leslie. I always feel good when she says, mm-hmm. So if something goes bad today and y'all hear something... She's right there. Her phone number is 612. (laughs) But when I I think about um, us, those of us who know the Lord and those of us who are still contemplating whether or not we want to know him, um, there's oftentimes in our lives where we lose heart. And what I want to speak to you about this morning is don't lose heart. I know for some of us, there are so many issues going on in our lives right now, Um, dealing with maybe a a, a divorce, maybe dealing with a rebellious kid, maybe dealing with addiction, maybe dealing with, with a lost job. We all walk in here with something this morning. And the great thing about walking in here is that there's a holy God that met you when you got here. There's a holy God that is concerned about everything that you're dealing with. For he knows every hair on your head, right? He knew you in your mother's room. He knew what you would look like, what you would talk like, and he knows your situation at this this moment. I know so many people I run into and and, uh, I always ask them, well, how are you doing? And they, I'm doing great. But really inside, they're really dying. They really don't want to share what's really happening because somewhat embarrassed, ashamed. But the truth of the matter is, we're all going through something. Something. Today, I want to come from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 through 38, because this was a time that the Israelites were going through something. And it was a big something that was standing in the way of their peace and their joy. So if you would look there with me, I'm going to read these verses. And it's starting in verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine." Your servant will go and fight him. Saul, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, you, your servant has, kept, has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued him. Just makes me want to fight. Let's go! Doesn't that fire you up? I'm not even through with the verses, but doesn't that fire you up? David, like, hey, you got my sheep, I'm coming. It's a bear, it's a lion. What are real humans doing? Opposite way, absolutely, no doubt about it. <laughs> Moving on. When he turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to go into battle. I always use the Old Testament when I talk to young people, when I talk to football players, when I'm able to talk to teams, Because the Old Testament talks about a lot of great battles. And today, we're going to be in the battle. We're going to be in the battle of fear and doubt and circumstances that says, your God is not big enough. And that's exactly where King Saul finds himself, that his God is not big enough. Because he doesn't trust his God. He doesn't look to his God the way that he once did. But David is locked in. David is locked in with his relationship with the Lord. Don't lose heart. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it reads this way. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Men and women, we need not to give up. We need not to give up, not on ourselves, but we need not to give up on the holy God who sees all and knows all that you're dealing with. There are so many people in the Bible where God had to remind them that I have you. I'm in control of this. I know what's going on. And we find two people like that today. There's three things that I want to ta- want you to take away this morning. Three little nuggets. And the first one is, We can't allow fear to supersede our faith. We can't allow fear to supersede our faith in God. Number two, remember what God has done in your past. And men and women, I beg of you this morning that sometime today that you remember what God has done for you. I think that's where we get stuck in our walk and our relationship with him. And number three, God is bigger than any of our circumstances. God is bigger than any of our circumstances. When you look at this verse and it says, stay in the fight, for in the end you will reap a harvest, at times that was very hard for some of God's dependable men. We can look back in Scripture and we can look at people's lives, and there was moments where I know at times they had to have doubt enter into their lives. Abraham, when he was told that he would become the father of many nations, and yet his wife could not even bear him a child, where God tells Sarah that you're going to be the one, that many nations are going to come through through your son, and here she is at 99 still waiting for that son. There had to have been moments in both of their lives where doubt moved in and where hurt was there and where despair had entered into their minds. What about Moses? Moses, this great man, this great warrior, at times he didn't even want to go in and free the Israelites because he thought that he couldn't speak well enough. So God had to get his attention. He had to escape, right? He was on the run, and he spent 40 years in the desert just wandering around. That's kind of like us before we know Christ, right? Right? We're just out here in the wilderness, in the desert, just running around, not knowing which direction to go. Surely he had to have some doubt that he was going to be the man that God called him to be. Paul, who was once killing Christians, was called in the battle for the Lord. Paul was beaten so many times, he was put in prison often, and he was shipwrecked, and all of these wicked things were happening to him, and yet he stayed faithful, Even at times when he was in prison, he would find himself singing unto the Lord, giving him praise, giving him honor, because he knew what he had in Christ. But I'm sure there was moments, even the moments where he was faithful and where he was sure that God had him, there had to have been time where he was losing heart. There had to have been time when he was down and out. Peter. This great warrior for God had told Jesus, "Hey, no matter what happens tonight, I will not turn my back on you. And for the rooster went, woo, 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 woo. No, it's not very good. Just take it. <laughs> he probably sounded better than that. But in three times, he had already denied Christ. How would you like to be known from that, through all the history of biblical time, that you were the one that denounced Christ? I'm sure there had to been moments that night When they came and got Jesus, he was sitting there in despair and wondering, what have I done? There's moments, men and women, where we get weary in this walk. There's moments and times in this walk to where we wonder, where is God in the midst of all this? But the truth of the matter is, God is exactly where we leave him. He's exactly in the same place waiting on you to return because he has all the answers. Martin Collins writes this about what it means to lose heart. He says it is to grow weary. Is anybody weary this morning? Is there anybody in a spot in their life to weary like, God, I need you to deliver me right now because I don't have any hope in anything else. God, I'm going to check out of this walk because all of what this book said and promised me, I don't see it happening in my life. Lord, this man is not changing. This woman's not changing. My workplace is still the same. I don't see your hand In the midst of this, you're growing weary. Steve King said this to to the loose heart about the, the, the heart. To give into evil, and he goes on to say, we lose heart when we cave into evil by refusing to live by faith in the character and promise of God. It is faith, men and women. It is Faith, where we find ourselves locked into God and saying, I'm going to trust you no matter what. It is faith when we read in a couple of minutes about this little 15, 16-year-old boy that says, do not lose heart. I am here. I will go fight that ugly giant. Now, I don't know what he looked like. I have a feeling he had a big knot on his head right here. I don't know. But I know that he was big and he was probably ugly and he probably smelled. And this 15, 16-year-old boy was ready to go to battle for him. He had faith. He believed, and there was no fear in him. And faith, basically, you read it in Hebrews chapter one, I mean chapter eleven, verse one. It says this: being sure what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. First point: we can't allow fear to supersede our faith in God. Our faith grows when we spend time with the Father. If you remember David, he was a little shepherd boy, and he was out at nighttime, and he was taking care of these sheep. And sheep, men and women, are what? Dumb. Isn't it kind of funny? God calls us sheep. Hey, he said it. I I, I didn't say that about anybody in here. That's what God says. He's taking care of these sheep late at night. He's watching over them. Sheep, they wander off. Sheep will walk right off the cliff with the other sheep. Sheep will walk right into the danger to where it can be eaten and never even be mindful until he has a bite right. Help me. Arr. Too late. David's job was to watch over them. And I imagine that there was times where David, late at night, when he was looking up into the stars, he was talking to the Heavenly Father. God was preparing his faith, was getting him strong, preparing him for something that he had no idea that he was going to face later in life. I don't think any of us at 15 was looking forward to facing a giant. Good old country boy like myself, when I was 15, 14, whatever it might have been, I was playing help chase. I was playing hide and seek, which most of our kids, teenagers know nothing about. Hide and seek? What was that? Was that a super duper video game? Yeah, it was. It was called Go Outside and Chase One Another. (laughs) They have no clue. (laughs) Sorry. They have no clue what it is to have fun outside. But that's where David found himself. He was outside and God was preparing his faith, preparing his heart, preparing his mind, preparing his soul because one day he was going to be anointed. We know that. But one day he was going to take on the biggest challenge, the biggest threat. To Israel and that was Goliath his faith was solid There's a couple of things going on here in comparison to what him and Saul and their walk was and I, w- I want to read this right quick David said to Saul let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine there had to be something inside of him that said come on let's go here's Saul hey Mr. Giant could you kind of move you're kind of in a way and I'm really afraid of you. I don't want anything to do with you. David, hey, giant, what you got? Let's go. Bring it on. Can you imagine if we were to talk to Satan like that? You see, he could really stand up and say, let us not lose heart over this rotten giant over here. Now, we know that they say that Goliath was about nine feet, seven inches, somewhere in there. David is a teenage boy, couldn't be more than this tall, but he was ready to go to battle. God had prepared him for battle because he spent so much time with the Heavenly Father, talking to him, listening to him, getting all of what he needed to go and fight a battle. And it's the same way for us, guys. We're in the battle of our lives in this country right now. If you look around at the crime, you look around at the politicians, you look around at all of the madness that's going on in our society, and oftentimes we're just like King Saul, over here with fear, wondering what are we going to do? Who's going to do something? Who when we should be saying, what are we going to do about it? How does God feel about what's going on in our country right now? But most of the time, we just want to be comfortable, and we just want to keep our friends, and we just want to be part of the social group, and we don't want to ruffle any feathers. And God basically says, I don't need you. Because that's basically what he was saying to King Saul. I don't need you, King Saul. I have someone over here that has my spirit, that has a love for me, that has a hunger for me, and he is ready to go to battle. Let's compare the two. David, he had trust in the Lord and had a great deal of faith. King Saul, doubt and fear running through his veins. David ready to walk into the fight and go to battle. King Saul, willing to walk in fear and walk away and ask someone else to take on his responsibility. David, confidence in the Lord. King Saul, confidence in some man. Because that's what King Saul was doing. He was going around and asking anyone, any of the men that were willing to go and fight because he did not want to take on the battle that was in front of him. He was scared. He was fearful. He had lost his faith. He did not understand that God had already told him that God was going to give them victory that day. And what happened? For 40 days, absolutely nothing happened. Just think if you let the trash of chicken over there for 40 days. Just sitting there. Your kid's walking by it. Dad's walking by it. Your dog's walking by it. Eventually somebody has to deal with it because it smells. With the things that are going on in our country, we just continue to walk by the chicken. We continue to avoid the situation. We continue to act like it's not there. And that's where... King Saul was but David had heard the rumblings when he was coming down to just bring food down to his brothers he knew that the giant was out there and he was wondering what's going on why are we just standing still why is there not fighting going on let's go well you see King Saul he's not feeling good he has a stomach ache he's not really ready to go into battle well I'll go I'll go And I really think the Lord is looking for some people, some men and women, some warriors that will say, I'll go. I'm ready to fight. Put me in the battle. I'll take on the giant. I'll take on the madness out here in this society. And I won't back down and I will not be afraid because God has given me the confidence to stand. When something hard comes on in our lives, who is it that you turn to? What is it that you turn to? What do you put your confidence in? When something hard comes about. I have watched so many people just put their trust in some friend, some movie, some something that they read, Dr. Phil. I'm really trying to stop using Dr. Phil, Leslie. (laughs) He's almost off the air. I got to stop using him in the sermons. But we look at him. We try to find anyone and anything to put our confidence in rather than our God who created us rather than our God that knows us by name, that knows every hair on our head, that knew us when we were in our mother's womb. He knows absolutely everything that we need before we knew it. He knows everything we're going to say before we say it. And yet we would rather run to some human or some whatever rather than running to our holy God who has all the answers and that we can put all our hope and trust in. David knew this. David had spent enough time with the Lord late at night. He had looked at the great stars up in the the sky and knew that his heavenly father had created those things. He had a love relationship with him because he was spending time with them. And unfortunately, I think that's where we become so much like King Saul because we're not spending a lot of time with him. We're not seeking him out like he tells us to. Matter of fact, there were some statistics that I read a couple of days ago. And one of them was really disturbing where it says that in prayer time, 37%, only 37% of believers see that prayer is essential to their lives. 37%. It says that a regular churchgoer now is one who attends church 19 times out of the year. That's what they consider as a regular churchgoer. 19 times, three times out of every eight Sundays. I don't know about you, but there's not much being taken in if I'm showing up 19 times out of the year. There's no way that God's getting a hold of my heart and changing my mind and changing my attitude if those are the only moments that I'm spending time in church. 20% of Christians show up at church. 80% of American Christians don't. I don't know about you, but those numbers frighten me. And then it says that 40% of church-going Christians read the Bible once a month, rarely, or never at all. So where does our strength come from? Where does I, what are we putting our confidence in? Where does our hope come from if we're not spending any time in this? You know, I understand that Pastor James is a powerful pre- pastor, powerful preacher. But you know what? One time a week is not going to do it. There has to be this personal relationship that says outside of church that the other six days that I'm pursuing this Holy Father. That I'm reading my word, that I'm meditating day and night on scripture, that it's getting inside of me, that I'm memorizing the word, that I'm hiding God's word in my heart so that I might not sin against him. There has to be moments to where we step out and we grow on our own through reading God's word. One of the things that I I, I did a couple weeks ago, I accidentally gave the wrong verse. I did. It was up on the screen. You know who told me? And one of the points that I was making, you need to bring your Bibles because you never know if the pastor's telling you something that's not true. And there the wrong verse was up on the screen. And no one knew. Turf off. We are missing out on the greatest adventure that was ever written in these pages, these 66 books. Love story that God gave to us. And we're spending very little time in it. And the little time that we spend in it means that the little time that it's affecting our lives. I always say this quote, it came from someone else, I didn't make it up. Dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. Dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. Now, I'm not calling you dirty. You probably took a bath this morning. That's not what I'm saying. Your life was probably pretty clean, but I'm telling you the evil one raised havoc on our life when we don't know what we don't know. David knew what he knew, and so he was ready to battle. Don't lose heart. I am here. I'm not scared of the Philistine. I'm not scared of the giant. I'm not scared of what I'm getting ready to face. Call me into battle. Let me go do my thing, and let me show you that God's going to show up when I go. Number two. Remember what God has done in the past. In 34 and 36, it reads this way. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion and a bear came and carried off the sheep, he went. David is being reminded that God had given him the ability to stand in front of a lion, in front of a bear. That he could go and fight this thing, not through his power, not through his strength, but through the power of God. See, where Saul messes up, King Saul messes up, just like we do, we think that it's all about us and that we can do all of this on our own. That we have the power to do it. Oh, I'll just fight through it. Just wrap my boots up and I'm going to get through it. All of us in athletics know this term, right? Just fight through it. That's what coaches told us all of our lives, right? Just fight through it. You can do it. And really that mentality kind of lives with a lot of us men that we can just do it. We can fix anything. Woman, what have you messed up? Move. (laughs) In this walk, we just can't fight through anything on our own strength. It has to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. It has to be through the power that God gives us. God was preparing him often that night, getting him ready for what he was going to face. He knew that up taking care of the sheep, there was going to be danger. So God was preparing him how to fight, showing him how to get up and go, using that, shh, mastering how to use that sling. God was preparing him just as he's trying to prepare us for the battle that's ahead of us in this country. Because men and women, I believe that we're heading towards the battle. And I believe that it's a giant that's standing in front of us. Because they are trying daily to take more and more Christ out of as much stuff as they possibly can. And we're just idly sitting by at times and watching it happen. David understood that his job was to go to battle. He remembered the things that he was taught. He remembered going and fighting a lion and fighting the fighting the fighting the bear. He didn't have to worry about being intimidated by some giant when he's already beat up a bear and killed him, is what he says. I like the way they put that in there. He hit him, and then he ran after him, and then as if he killed him. All right, David. David knew how to finish it, just like Jesus knew how to finish it. He knew how to finish what he started. We need to understand that we cannot forget what God has done for us. We can't. I often remember times of my dad. and My, my dad was, was, was a spiritual warrior. He, he had 16 of us, him and mama. Don't ask. Don't look at me strangely. Don't say, was there any of that back in those days? No. They just had 16 of us. That's just the bottom line. Okay? But my dad was a carpenter. He didn't make very much money. So oftentimes there was times where they would come and turn off our electricity, or they would come and turn off our water. But God showed his grace towards us. Because my dad, who's old school, remember how they used to turn off the water? you go right back out there with the right wrench and turn it right back on. That was my dad. My dad trusted God, and he prayed, what should I do, Lord? Oh, go turn it back on. Okay. He'd go right back out there and turn the water on. But the thing about my dad is that my dad would always trust the Lord no matter what circumstances we found ourselves in. Whether we had money, whether we had something to eat, whether our water was turned off, whether we didn't have heat in the house, I could always hear those words, we're just going to trust the Lord. And as a dad and as a husband, I run those words through my heart and through my mind over and over, remembering that my dad said, we will trust the Lord. And I know it aggravates Leslie sometimes when, when we're down and out, when we don't have enough money to pay for this and things are broke, and things need to be paid. And I'll look at her and I'll say, we're just going to trust the Lord. I do not need you to be spiritual right now. We are in. What do you want me to be? Want me to cry with you? But there are moments where we have to reflect back on what God has done in our life. And David was able to do that here. He could reflect back and say that God delivered me. God did great things long before I got in front of this giant. And he's still doing great things. And it's the same thing that you got to remember if you're struggling in your marriage, you've lost your job, you're dealing with addiction, you're dealing with some kids that are rebellious in your house, you're dealing with healing, you found out that something's going wrong with your body, that you just got to remember that God is for you, he's not against you. And that every time he's come through, maybe not on your time, but I prom- promise you it's always been timely. For he tells us he will never forsake us or he will never leave us. He's always on time. And the great thing that we got to remember is that God has never lost a battle. He is absolutely undefeated. I want to be on that team. He wants us to trust in that. And finally, God is bigger than our circumstances. King Saul at this time, he was still looking at his circumstances. He was looking out and he was realizing that that giant was still there at 40 days. He was looking out and he was still wondering, what in the world am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? All he could see is the big giant. All he could see is the big circumstances in front of us. And men and women, when all that we can see is the big circumstances in front of us, we've hidden God behind those circumstances. And God sees our doubt. He sees our fear. He hears our weariness. And he says, how do you forget so easily? I've been there for you every step of the way. No matter if you were in the wrong or in the right, I've been there for you. David had heard all the threats. I'm sure that he had looked out and had seen the big giant I'm sure that he looked around and he saw all these mighty men that were there that, were, that had fought already in so many battles, and guys that were older than him, guys that were great warriors, and they were all just standing around doing absolutely nothing because they were paralyzed because all they could do is look at the giant. Men and women, I want to tell you that the giant cannot withstand the love and the grace and the mercy that God has to offer you. The giant cannot stand against a God that is holy and pure and righteous and will not let his children be defeated. A God that understands that you find yourself in a mess at this point in your life. David knew that if he went out and looked at the giant, and said, "Uh uh-oh, and start thinking like King Saul, the giant would never be defeated. It's the same thing with us. If we walk in doubt, we walk in fear, and we're acting like we're hopeless, When we got a God that gives hope, provides hope for us every day, then we're never going to believe that we can conquer our circumstances. David made it abundantly clear that it wasn't through his strength, but it was through the strength of God himself. He trusted God for all things. And he wanted to give glory to God for all things. And he never tried to rob God of all the credit that he deserved. But King Saul did. King Saul was about him. It was about what's in it for me. It's about who's gonna praise me, rather who's gonna praise the Father. This is what our circumstances will make us do. Our circumstances will make us do nothing. In other words, they looked out and they saw the giant. Because their circumstances were so big, they sat for 40 days and did absolutely nothing. And so when you decide to do nothing, nothing never changes. It will stay exactly the same until you cry out to the Holy Father and ask for His help and guidance. The Israelites, for 400 and something years, 30 years, they sat there in prison until finally they cried out to the Father and said, deliver us from this. Maybe that's where you are today. You can't sit around and do nothing. Number two, you cannot continue to live in fear. Fear will trap you. It will convince you that you have no help. It will tell you you have no hope. Fear will make you doubt. Fear will make you stay right where you are and 15, 20 years later, you'll still be there fearing what the outcome might be, rather than stepping out in faith, stepping out in hope, trusting God through the midst of this. Number three, wait for someone else to deliver us. If you look out at your circumstances, you'll just be waiting. You'll just be waiting for someone to come help you. Waiting, 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 when God's right there. Number four, make us slaves. Our circumstance will make us slaves to our fears and our doubts, not a very good place to be. Because we will not trust at times, we will find ourselves losing heart. Because we don't seek him enough, we will find ourselves losing heart. He does not want you to give up on him. He wants you to trust him. And in closing, I want to give you three just little practices or practical things that you can carry with you. Number one, we can grow weary, which we all would do, just don't give up on God. I think far too often we grow weary and things are going wrong and things are hard and then we want to blame God rather than trusting God to get us through this. Don't quit on God because I can promise you this, men and women, He will not quit on you. He will not. Number two, put more faith and trust in God than you do in man. There's nothing wrong with sharing and talking and having people pray for you, but put your trust in a God that comes through every time. And third, always be mindful of how God has delivered you in the past and trust him that he has your future in his hand. Amen? Let's call on him today. Let's not live in fear. Let's not live in doubt. Let's live in the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's see what God wants to do because he's going to do great things. I hope that you trust that. And let's trust in that together. Amen? Let's pray. Would you bow your heads? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you know at times we're going to doubt. (laughs) You know at times that we are are going to lose heart. You know there's times where we're gonna even wonder where you are in the midst of all the storms that are going on in our life. But the good thing about all of that is that you know all of those things ahead of time. You know that there's gonna be moments where we don't trust you enough You know that there's going to be moments where our fear is going to handicap us, going to slow us down. You know that there's going to be doubts that are going to move in our lives because of our circumstances, and yet you are faithful to stay there long enough to say, I got you. There's nothing that catches you by surprise, Lord. There's nothing that we can get ourselves into that you haven't already made a way out for us. Father, now I know There's people in this congregation that hurt this morning. I know that we walk around with great smiles, but really deep down inside, we're really hurting and longing for something better. Father, I pray that you will assure them, just as you have assured me, that you're for us, not against us. I don't know where you are this morning, but there might be someone here this morning may not know the Lord, may not know what it is to trust in Him and hold on to Him as tight as you can. Even when things are falling apart. And I'm just want to lead you in a prayer, and it's simply this: if you confess your confess unto the Lord that He is God, He will save you. Simply say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you send your Son to die for me. I believe that His body was torn, His blood was shed for me. I believe that He went to the grave, and on the third day He rose, and in your own simplistic way, just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come in my heart take control of my life and put me on the path that you want for me. I believe that I am bought with the price and now I am yours to do with me at whatever you please. And then maybe this morning those who are faithful and walking with the Lord, maybe this morning you're at the end of your rope. Maybe these obstacles and and your opponents and the enemy and all of the things that have come against you has just beat you down. Maybe today you just need to confess unto the Lord and get in the real bill and say, I need your help, Lord. I am suffering here. And I feel like my hope is running out. In your own simple way, just simply cry out to him and say, please help me. Today might be your day that you want to come up here and have prayer, or you can be right there at your seat. But whatever you need to do, to get your walk back strong again with the Lord, to get your faith moving in the right direction again, you do how whatever he leads you to do this morning. We love you, Lord, we thank you, and we give you praise, and we ask these things in Jesus' name.